Thank you for listening to Scandinavian Crimes Podcast. Be sure to check out the episode links and be part of our other social media platforms where you can leave a topic suggestion or even share some of your insights regarding the subject matter of the episode. We will always do our best to provide a well-researched episode, but sometimes due to limited access to information and translation issues, some information can be lost. It is therefore good to do your own research and get a deeper understanding of a case of your own interest. So with that all said, let us start today's episode. Welcome to Scandinavian Crimes. My name is Devante, and I would love for you guys to say hello to my co-host, Delilah. Hi, everyone. And on this podcast, we will cover famous Scandinavian criminals who made their mark throughout Scandinavian history. While I'm pretty sure you guys know the United States is considered the serial killer slash crime capital of the world, there are little known serial killers and criminals across the globe. While some of these names may be familiar to you, some of them may not be, a lot of these killers on this list terrified a lot of people in their home countries with their various reigns of terror, some more terrifying than others. Even though we're only on the second episode, one thing I will say is that quickly over the podcast, you'll kind of see a theme with a lot of these serial killers that, you know, were notorious in the Nordic Scandinavian area you know, as we kind of continue with these series of uh, killers, many of these serial killers seem to display traits that are very like indicative of their true desire of control rather than being an agent of chaos. Now, obviously, this does not mean every serial killer follows the same blueprint, but a lot of them had very similar circumstances. So let's get into today's topic, and that is Arnfin Nisette. Arnfinn Nesset is one of the most notorious serial killers in Norway's history. The reason he was deemed as such was because he targeted people in nursing homes. Now, forgive me, I am an American, so anything that is not English, I promise you, I will butcher it. So, he was born in <laughs> Trangle... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's I gotta okay. let people know I'm gonna butcher it. <laughs> Arnfinn was born in Trondelag in 1936 out of wedlock. Nisette was raised by his mother and remained with her throughout his childhood all the way into his adulthood while still in his childhood home. His father was very much absent from his life and never really established contact with him. He was educated and also registered as a nurse and by 1977 had been hired as a head nurse at a larger nursing home in Orkdal Trondelag. During the summer of the autumn, Sortrandelag. Huh? See, I just, I don't see. It's just, it's, okay, it's, it's okay. easier. It's easier. I don't I gotta, know I gotta in Norwegian it. either. It was like. <laughs> <laughs> During the summer and autumn of 1981, a series of suspicious deaths were uncovered at the nursing home in Arkdal, in which Nisette was the manager for. Now, when questioned by police, Nasset initially confessed to the murder of 27 patients whom he claimed to have killed, injecting them with uh, saxithonium chloride. Now, it's a drug that paralyzes your muscles, so it's pretty much like, you know, if you take too much muscle relaxer, your heart will eventually stop. At least initially, that's what we thought he was using, you know, by itself. 
but he was charged with 25 counts of homicide, but later retracted his confession and denied all charges for the rest of his five month trial. Now, what's interesting about this is that he was working in a nursing home and at least based on the information we saw online, it seemed like he was relatively inactive for a good chunk of his career. And it was maybe about four years before these killings even went into full effect. Now, it's entirely possible that information can be inaccurate because as time goes along, information can be lost. So don't hold us accountable for that. We're just only presenting information as we find it. But what also raises a big flag outside of the killings themselves is it seems like a good chunk of his killings from the research we found did take place within the year of 1981 itself. But I would assume naturally it probably was in within the 12 to maybe 16 month range. Nisette was convicted in March 1983 of poisoning 22 patients in a nursing home in Norwegian village of Orkdal. During the trial, it was found out that Nisette poisoned patients with both injections of saxithonium chloride and another drug called Curacet to sedate and kill his victims. While he stole some money from the victims, there was never any clear motivation as to why he actually killed any of them. Now, it was rumored because, like I said, in the you know, first section of this paragraph, he was basically convicted of poisoning 22 people, but Nisette may have killed upwards of 138 of his patients. And a lot of people probably might wonder how can he have killed so many people? He works in a nursing home. So the average age of his victims ranged from 67 to 94. So physically, these people were unable to fight back. And unfortunately as well, these are people that trusted him because that was his job. Now, during the marathon trial, which lasted five months from October 1982 to March 18th, the following year, 128 witnesses and nine experts were called. A few experts claimed that because he was born out of wedlock and never had a relationship with his father, his actions were very indicative of desiring control over his life. Um, he was sentenced to 21 years in prison, the maximum term then available under Norwegian law, also to be followed by 10 years of preventative detention. However, he was released after serving 12 years of his sentence for good behavior and outside of jail, he spent 10 years being supervised. He is now reported to be living in an undisclosed location as well. After his release, he changed his name and lived out the rest of his life, at least as far as we know, alone. Now, even though as of 2022, his age should be around 86, which means there's a decent chance he can actually still be alive, it could be someone you know. He can be a next door neighbor, that grandfather who has a little secret closet in his attic, or maybe his time on Earth passed already. And that is the story of Arnfin Nissette. That is so chilling. Like, I feel so, <laughs> I don't know, that was um, interesting. And I think also the most chilling about all of this is that the fact that he kind of didn't really have a motive mm -hmm. and also that he might be alive ironically enough in a nursing home <laughs> and <laughs> might be treated by someone you know like i don't know it's just very this is a very interesting case or crime um but i don't know how what do you think about this uh, whole thing I just think like there's always seems to be at least so far um i see a lot of connection and i think it could be just the ignorance of the time 
where they felt like if you're a child out of wedlock, naturally you're going to be a serial killer or you're going to be crazy or like you're more likely to, you know, uh, just be this difficult person or have a difficult life. And because even between the first episode and this episode, they seem to always kind of be making the same arguments for all these kids. Now, don't get me wrong. I see a pattern. And, you know, obviously we only did two so far up until this point. But if by some chance, you know, the next one that we do and they're like, yeah, it's it's because he's born out of wedlock, then it seems a little odd that that's their go to. But then it's, it's just letting me know, like times have changed a lot. Because, you know, just because someone's born out of wedlock doesn't by default make them a bad person, doesn't make the circumstances, you know, turn them into Ted Bundy, per se. But <laughs> it just makes, you know, some of their you know choices probably a little different or a little more difficult as well. But, you know, I, I see like I do see like this consistent I, I'm feeling like this is going to be a thing that's going to keep popping up, especially we're talking about like people born in like the 30s and 40s and 50s even i wouldn't be surprised if we saw stuff like this you know going into the 60s and 70s as well so you know that's at least that's my opinion about it yeah because i also found it very interesting that they kind of kept going into that uh trail of him having an absent father and he's a very ambitious man and like you know it sounded to me that they were trying to make the excuse that his absence father might have triggered him to do all these things. And I mean, it might be true, but that's, I think it's a very far reach somehow. I would have loved to know how he was as a kid, uh, if he had any tendencies of like having some kind of murders tendencies in that case for example we see that some children who have a tendency of killing animals or in their younger when they're younger they might be able to have those kind of murders and tendencies later on in life as well and in that case like that's okay i like sorry to interrupt you sorry to interrupt you there (laughs) 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 i think too like sometimes uh i feel more less people are actually like sociopaths and you know psychopaths and i say that in air quotes and stuff like that i think less people are like that and more people are just products of their environment um we don't have a ton of information about him so i can definitely agree you know in terms of like did he was he like this as a child but if they're going to have the argument that, OK, his dad wasn't involved in his life. And remember, he was born in 1936. And so living environments were still not up to par. You know, even by the time we get to like the 1950s, living conditions were drastically different. Even from those, uh, you know, difference in like maybe like 15, 20 years. So um, I think it's more of a product of his environment where maybe he wasn't a sociopath. Maybe he can empathize but just something he had a tough life and there was something that he felt was missing who knows it could have been his dad but um i don't think at least at least from what i'm seeing it just seems like he you know didn't uh he wasn't like crazy yeah like i know that i yeah i know that's but he also after that he (laughs) He backed away. Was like, oh no, I, cl- I yeah, he I, did, yeah, yeah. So it's like, <laughs> um, <laughs> um. Anyways, like I just 
thought that it would be interesting to also know that because that would be a huge clue in understanding why and how because they couldn't really find a motive. I also think a lot that the environment can change someone drastically. Mm -hmm. Also, not having a father, father during those times can also be very drastic change for him as a boy especially yeah because he was with his mom and a factor i think too is remember this is 1936 so you know this is before like women had the ability to like be seen as equals like she still couldn't even have a bank account and you know work must have been like tough so i know for a fact that they probably struggled for a while you know, and him wanting to be became, in control and having like yeah. control of the mm-hmm. yeah I can I can see that that might have triggered and started this cascade of yeah you no know, going into or towards that direction of being ambitious and always trying his best because his mother was always part of his life for like the majority of his childhood and adulthood as well um so yeah. I think that definitely it could be also a factor. I just wanted to have like more information because I know back then people just go with the easy way uh, of explaining it. And uh, I think that most of the days today, uh, they actually do more research and everything when they do an evaluation and everything as well. Um, But yeah, like I think this is, this case is interesting. Uh, And I also think it's, interesting to discuss these things um, with limited information because then you can just like uh, try to like understand the time period and like discuss all these things as well yeah we have to use our imaginations because if you already know all the details all the outcome there's like really no mystery behind it there's no figuring it out like we already kind of know what happened and all that stuff so yeah i like using my imagination i guess the biggest question i have or i would ask you is how do you think his mother felt like can you imagine like you know all this time they had a tight relate well i don't know how their relationship was but you know she was involved in we assume that they're tight yeah like- right i'm assuming that they were cool with each other because he stayed in the house with her when he didn't have to he obviously had education he became a nurse he could have left but he didn't so cool with his mom and then how would you like how do you think his mom felt that my baby my son killed like officially he was charged of killing 22 people but he may have killed 138 of his patients that's a possibility and it's hard to tell too because you know um because back then, like I said, he's dealing with people who are like 67 and 94. So it's hard to tell if they died of natural causes or he just was like, I'm going to give you some muscle relaxer and then you're going to wake up dead. <laughs> so <laughs> That's also something I OK, if I'm going to ask you a question as a mother, I would like I, I'm not really a mother. But like if I was a mother who had a child who did all these things, I would be. I don't even know how I would feel like the feelings would be intense. Probably I would be sad. I would be blaming myself, what I did wrong, what I could have done to hinder this. You know, there's so many things I would probably be devastated and also have that that you're the mother of a murderer. 
title mm-hmm. like because you like a killer or a murderer will affect the whole family so the whole family will be part of this even though that they had no saying or any choice in the matter but back then they didn't have internet or stuff like that so probably the rumors would only go as as high as that part of the neighborhood if not you know journalism would like do a country-wide thing um yeah because like, the trial what, what year was the trial again it was well, he was convicted in 1983 so there was house phones there was newspapers you know it's the 80s so um oh wait i was i forgot i he was born during he was born in 36 early early but, but like they had and they had stuff yeah they had stuff <laughs> they had phones yeah i think stuff. the i think like the first official like cell phone is like only a few years away for, at this point but they did have telephone so this wasn't a newspaper i did see a clipping of it and it journalism was, was a thing so like ever yeah. forever so yeah like it, it could have been spread uh but as I, I am a Swedish, I was born in Sweden. I have never heard of this ever. Uh, and I don't know like if Norwegians know about this. They probably should know about this, but you know, I don't really know. Like I haven't heard of it. So especially because remember, like according to the timing, he should be about 86 now. That's scary as which hell. means look. The pr- I'm I'm from the U.S., so our president is ancient as hell, to be honest <laughs> with you. So it's entirely possible he can be someone's next door neighbor, and then no one would know because he left. You know, we assume that he you know just went to live by himself. He did change his name supposedly, but they didn't dec- disclose what his name was, and then he just went off and lived his life. So after killing possibly 128 people, but being confirmed to have killed 22, he still got to leave and live his life. And he could be someone's neighbor right now. He can be yeah. on a train in Norway right now. He could, it's, which is scary. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. But like, I was thinking about that, that he killed so many people or we assume that it that he did kill 138 i think it was uh uh the yeah he just he he just said that he was yeah yeah. so he basically like what i found was interesting that he did it four years after he was hired as a nurse and all uh, uh, like all of a sudden he decided to kill within like a period of like six months or something like a, during a summer period of time we I'm, what we know of and he just uh, all yeah. of a sudden decided to kill or murder these people with muscle relaxing and also stole their money to me it sounds like something triggered him to do it based on the information that we have like sure he might have environmental factors that could change him but also like he was in like he was smart he ha- he was a nurse he was educated they said so for him to all of a sudden just kill so many people to me it sounds like either he something triggered him it could be basically anything uh mm. or he 
like maybe the the elderly people who were living there was suffering in any way and he just wanted to let them live a happy life or what like die happily or something i don't know like to me it just seems seems so odd that all of a sudden he just kills so many people four years after out of the blue no history of any of any intent at all and then also get sentenced lifetime but be freed 12 years after because of good behavior good behavior yeah right after killing being confirmed killed double digit people but then speculated to have killed triple digits like that would never happen over i'm lying it would happen over here in the u.s because yeah. they would have to be you know <laughs> It's going to get a little political, but he would have to be white, essentially, for him to like for that to transpire in that way. Usually, though, in most of mass killer, they're not getting out. I can also but, say in Scandinavia, um, mostly the sentences here is a lot lighter, uh, even though if you killed or murdered someone, you will have life sentence. But like. In Sweden, I think the top one would be like 20 years or something. I don't, I'm not fully into it, but like. That is so crazy to me. It's like, very you can, little. You can it's literally be like on the train with someone who just killed someone, you know, 20 years ago. Like, let's say they were 20, they killed someone. They can be out by 40 and still have 40 more years of life. And mm-hmm. 40 is like a 40 year old man, especially that's that's still pretty young you can still haul bodies at 40 years old yeah that's what i'm saying like oftentimes some of them can get out of due to good behavior as well and they also have the right to change their names and everything so like it's uh it's but many have many have actually questioned and, and put criticism on how the how low or how weak the uh, sentences are for certain acts um but you know it's uh it's i i guess it also like i'm not in totally into how it is in norway or finland or denmark or iceland like, i don't really know how they're how it is there i can only say for how it is here but also if we're going to compare to something that actually ha- happened in the 80s it's not too far away of like today yeah i would um, say I guess I would say this, and this is a food for thought for the audience, I guess, to leave it off on this note. And you can think about this and send it to us and let me know what you guys think. Now, being an American, our criminal justice system is still lacking. We have a very high recidivism rate. Uh, People come out, recommit crimes and go back into prison. So who am I to say that, you know, it on paper, it sounds crazy, but, you know, if he never committed a crime again, doesn't that mean the system worked? We've never heard of him coming out of hiding and killing more people. It's like he vanished, blended into society and got himself together. So can we say that the system worked maybe? And then that's a possibility. I think so, because Norway and you know, Sweden and like I said, in general, the Scandinavian area has a better crime rate than the U.S. So the question I would pose to the audience is, do you think it's OK that he was able to leave early due to good behavior, despite the information you learned today? 
Or do you feel like he should have stayed in jail for at least 20 more years? Let us know. And I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. You know, myself and my lovely, gorgeous co-host, Lila. Go ahead, <laughs> go ahead, talk to the crowd. Tell them, tell them, tell them. Thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, and I hope you have a wonderful day or night or evening or whatever time it is. <laughs> and uh, farewell, I guess. And don't forget to have you a slice of bacon today. Exactly. And have a great day. <laughs> <laughs>